Hello guys, welcome back to the Talk Crystal Palace podcast. My name is Ollie. I'm back from holiday uh, and I'm back just in time to see Crystal Palace 1, Liverpool 3. Um, now, you would have seen the title of the podcast. I'll get to uh, the ref uh, towards the end of the game, uh, towards the end of the review, sorry. But um, I just want to say, first and foremost, I thought today was another really good performance um, which we could have so easily won. Um, I mean, Alisson must have sold his soul to the devil or something. The amount of times he he saves Liverpool against us. I mean, it, feel, it feels like the last few times we played them, we've been really, really unlucky. They're obviously a great team and just getting it over the line, but we could have so easily won that game today. Um, yeah, but... Uh, for various reasons, we didn't. First half, I think, is a big reason we didn't. Obviously, we were two 0 down at half time. Uh, another corner conceded, which is kind of frustrating. I thought this one wasn't like shocking defending; it was kind of unlucky. I, I don't know if if it was planned, but uh, Fabinho's movement kind of brought Schlupp into Anderson's way, um, and Van Dijk. Obviously, it was a great header, um, and that goal had been coming again. I don't know why we started that midfield of. Hughes, Schlupp and Gallagher. I mean, it's literally not worked once since they've started playing together and he's still persisting with it. Um, obviously, once Kiate is back, I'm sure he'll slot back, back in and the, the form of Luca has been really concerning. Um, I kind of get why he's persevering, but it, it just is not working and it has not worked before. Um, so I was really surprised by that selection. And again, Schlupp kind of at fault for the first goal and just generally again in the game just didn't really contribute in the first half in centre mid. Um, I was surprised also that Butland lost his place to Guaita. I thought that was really harsh. I don't think Guaita had a bad game, but it was a shame that Butland didn't keep his place considering how well he played against Brighton. Uh, and I was really excited by the front three. Um, I like that front three a lot. And I think generally speaking, they did well. Uh, you know, two of them directly contributed to a goal and another one, again, we'll talk talk about in a bit. Um I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Liverpool did not deserve to be winning 1-0. They absolutely did. Uh, and they deserved to be winning 2-0 when they went 2-0 up too. Uh, however, looking at it back, there's a there's a clear offside in there. Firmino is about a yard offside. Uh, Tyrek Mitchell is obviously drawn to him. Um, he then goes to Mark Firmino. Firmino misses the ball, having clearly tried to head it. It falls to Oxlade-Chamberlain in the back post, who is unmarked as a result of Mitchell leaving him to go to Firmino. Liverpool go 2-0 up, but apparently VAR say that Firmino didn't, didn't directly impact the defender or the goalkeeper, which is just a load of pure shite, basically. Like, look at West Ham's goal against Leeds that was disallowed in the FA Cup, where Bowen does a similar thing. He runs across the line of things. You know, you see... Okay, another example. Brighton-Leicester. Um, when Leicester had two goals this lab with players just being stood there when someone headed it into the top corner from like three yards out. Like, how can you say that that is offside? But Firmino making a clear attempt to play the ball and dragging a defender away from a player who then ended up scoring. How is that not directly affecting the defender? Like, it just is. It, and it's a load of utter, utter nonsense. Like, there is no way that we get that decision at Anfield. Like, it just it just does not happen. And it's really frustrating, like, watching that back. And Sky kind of twigged it at the time, like, a few minutes later. I didn't realise when it went in. But VAR checked it. Like, that's the thing. It's not even like VAR missed it. VAR checked it and decided that it was okay. That's what I just don't understand. I do not understand how that happens. Like he's re- like that's really generous, really really generous. 
Having said that, you know, I'm not, I said, I'm not going to say we didn't deserve to be losing. We did by that point. We were really poor, but we shouldn't have been 2-0 down. Um, to be honest, it could have easily been 2-2 at halftime. Obviously, Elise missed a great chance. Um, Gallagher missed a decent one. Ward was offside when Mateta had one. But on the, on the subject of, of Elise, who was, I thought, our best player, really, in the first half and probably the best player in the second half, too, he was immense today. And, and the thing that I liked about his performance was that we all know he's got bags of talent when it comes to, like, whipping a ball in with his left foot, you know, standing up a good delivery. But what he showed today were more, lots of other things. You know, there was the the chance for Gallagher, which he should have scored, the header, where Elise faked to go onto his left, did Robertson, went onto his right and whipped in straight onto Gallagher's head. There was the lob, which was like, again, a different technique. He ran across from the right, across the back line, in behind, timed it perfectly. I thought defensively, I know Robertson got two assists, one of which was from a corner, to be fair. Uh, and the other one, I think, was when him and Eduardo swapped wings. Elise tracks him like all game, up and down, up and down, up and down. Like that was a really good battle. And Robertson is, let's be honest, one of the best left backs in Premier League history. And Elise showed a defensive side to his game, which I think a lot of people didn't think he had. And the fact that he has that now, that he worked hard, he played 90 minutes too. Like Benteke, Ayu and Eze all came on and Elise stayed on the pitch the whole time. It was Edward and Mateta and Hughes that came off. That shows that... I think Elise now has graduated from a substitute, a player who has got a lot of promise, to a player who is a very good player right now and needs to be playing football right now. And that's really exciting. Like, if he could do it against Andy Robertson and against Liverpool, who can he not do it against? Um, so I'm really excited for that. I thought he was excellent in the uh, in the second half. The change of formation definitely helped us, I think. It's so I don't understand really how this works, but Schlupp in centre mid I thought has been really poor recently. You move into a left mid in a four four two, and he starts playing out of his skin. Like he, I think he just feels like he has more freedom, and a freedom unleashed Schlupp is a really good player. The pass for the goal was beautiful, absolutely beautifully timed, uh, and weighted. Mateta fair play to him. I didn't think he had the best game today. Obviously he missed that one where he went around the keeper. He missed the other one which was offside in the end, but. He could have easily shot there. And I think a lot of strikers would have done. I think if Eduardo and Mateta had swapped roles there, Eduardo is shooting and Mateta is not getting that square pass. But really unselfish, simple pass, simple finish for Eduardo, who's now obviously banging form, um, which is really good to see. Like his output is great. And obviously it's just as I took him out of my fantasy team, which is which is typical. Um, but yeah, that 4-4-2 really, really helped us. I mean, if they don't have Alisson in goal today, we'd probably win that game like... I mean, just fair play to him. He's a world-class goalkeeper, made some world-class saves. That Elise lob was one of them. The Edward back heel was actually a lot harder than it looked too. He did really well when Mateta tried to go around him. Like, he's just class. That's, that's what that's what money buys when you spend, I don't know whether they spend on a goalkeeper, 35 million. Um, and we were, we were set up for a grandstand finish. Like, even as a neutral, I think you could appreciate that that would have been a class last 10 minutes. Right, right. Palace going for it. We had been on top all second half. And then, then they get given that penalty, which is which. It's just, I wasn't even surprised. I think that's the worst thing about it. Like it's a, an absolutely dreadful decision. I don't think anyone can deny that there is no way that's a penalty. I think there's only probably one person, two people in the world who think that was a penalty, and that's Kevin Friend and Craig Pawson. But that's just the standard of English refs these days. Every single ref we've had at Selhurst has been shocking. We've had Darren English drop stinkers. 
we've had that. I can't wait for someone else came in. I can't remember which game it was. Who was awful again. And today, I mean, it wasn't even just the penalty. It was leading up to that. There was where Elise had a head injury and he just played on. And it took a Liverpool player asking the ref to stop the game for him to stop, even though he'd seen Elise down holding his head. There was the one where Benteke was given offside when he was a, about a yard onside, first of all. And he was in and they stopped the game straight away rather than letting it play out. It was it was just some decisions where you were like, how can you not get that right? It's the basics of the game. You look at the Jota penalty. He's kicked, he's miscontrolled the ball and literally changed direction to run into the keeper. Like it, but there was just a horrible sense of inevitability about it that you knew the minute it went to VAR it was going to be given. Even you got Jamie Carragher on pet on comms who is obviously very pro-Liverpool, understandably, being like, this is never a pen. And I think that says a lot. Like, he w- it wasn't even like, oh, not for me. He fully dismissed it. He was like, no, it's not a pen. Like, get on with it. He lit- I think he actually said those words, like, word for word. Um, but it's given, and they go 3-1 up, and all of a sudden, our hopes have gone. And I'm not, look, if we'd lost that game 2-1, fair enough. Like, I would have been annoyed about the Firmino thing. But that penalty, it was just so frustrating because we... We were in the game and it just ruined the game. It completely ruined the game. It gave Liverpool effectively a free way out of the last 10 minutes. Conveniently kept the title narrative alive. Look, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not normally one for conspiracy theories about things like that. Like, I don't think that there... Uh, I mean, I haven't previously thought that there's corruption in the league, but, like, I don't understand how that can be given. I, I just... I. How can how can that be given as a penalty? It just isn't. It's not even nearly a penalty. And it's just it just seems all very like convenient, you know, like Southampton get away with a blatant red card yesterday, but then and then Liverpool get given a penalty like that today. It's just it doesn't add up. And the thing is, people will blame VAR, but VAR is not the problem there. VAR gave that's just the technology, right? The technology gave the referees all the angles that they needed to there to make it, to give the correct decision of not a penalty, right? But the use of the technology is so weird. The first thing that Kevin Friend goes to see when he goes to that monitor is a still shot of Jota and Guaita colliding. That, what that is doing there, it, you're immediately planting the seed of, oh, it's a pen because there's contact. What you need to do is start that replay when Trent plays the pass or when Jota brings it down. Because that is when it started. You, If they frame it like that, of course the referee is going to be more inclined to give a penalty, especially when he's got Craig Pawson in his ear whining that it should be given. Like, it, it was just it was just so weird how it, how it played out. But unfortunately, if you've got inept people running the system, then it doesn't matter how good the technology is, unless the technology is going to itself make the decision, which has all of its own flaws, obviously then these things are going to keep on happening. It happened earlier this season. I'm pretty sure West Ham got told after a game that they should have had a penalty and like something should have been disallowed or it should have been a red card for the other team. They were told that after the game. VAR was available during the game and looked at the incidents. And then afterwards, they go, oh yeah, actually, this should have happened. But it's like, well, wh- how, why did that not happen in the first place? You had all the information there ready but it didn't happen. And I I think the same thing will happen with this incident. I think we'll find out in a couple of days' time, you know, someone will come out and Mike Riley will go, oh, that shouldn't have actually been given as a penalty. But there's no... 
there's no repercussions from it. You know, nothing will happen. Kevin Friend will manage, uh, will referee next week in the Premier League. Patrick Vieira will probably be fine for having a go at him and criticising in an interview. And that'll be that. They will just sweep under the carpet. But this year in particular has been absolutely appalling and it's, and it's ruining the league. It's, it's ruining the integrity of the league. It, it, it just is because you've got individuals who are single-handedly altering the result of a game unfairly. And as a fan, there is nothing more frustrating than that. There is nothing more frustrating than seeing a bloke who has clearly never played football in his life. A bloke, by the way, apparently has been refing since he's 14, which is weird in itself. But who is making decisions, having not played football before, not understanding these things. And it's like, we see we have been seeing tricks like Jota's for years in the Prem. And still, managers and players and pundits and fans and referees, for that matter, wonder why players dive, wonder why players look for pens. Because they still get them. Because they still get decisions like Liverpool did today, where... Jota has completely bought that. And I'm not even I'm not even annoyed at Jota, really. He's he's played for it and it's worked. But how a referee can fall for that, how two referees can fall for that, one on the pitch, one on VAR, having watched it back 50 times, it just blows my mind. And it's almost like this I don't actually believe that that is what's happening. That's why people say corruption, because no one actually thinks that a normal football watcher can watch that back and think it's a pen it just it honestly it defies it defies belief obviously Fabinho then scores 3-1 Liverpool game over like the the it would kind of just been deflated um and we go on to lose the game uh Klopp obviously coming out afterwards saying oh it must have been a pen I mean he has to say that doesn't he? he can't he can't not but he will know full well that shouldn't have been a penalty um and I would, I would, you know what I'd love to see in future is referees get interviewed after a game. Explain it. I mean, it, it can't make referees look any worse than they currently do. They are currently like the laughing stock of European football, British, British referees. So come out and explain the decision. At least, at least give us some clarity as to why you've, you've given it. I, I think that would really help. Or, you know, I saw people saying, oh, let's change the VAR system. Let's make it a challenge system. So, you know, you don't get referees who are looking at incidents which no one would look at. You know, do I really think someone like Jurgen Klopp would challenge that decision if it happened on the pitch? No, I really don't think that would happen. I really don't. Um, but the, the technology is the way it is. It's only in England we're having these problems because, as I said before, VAR is only as good as the people that are operating it. And the... I, I am baffled that, you know, these referees are still are still in work. But, you know, you look at ones that have been brought up from the championship, i.e. Darren England, who was even worse. Like, how do you do it? How do you make the standard of refereeing in this country better? I've seen people saying that one thing that's very important is getting referees who don't know the players. A lot of these referees are pally with the players. They want to be pally with the players. That's why someone like a Diogo Jota is more likely to get a soft penalty decision than Jean-Philippe Mateta because Kevin Friend probably has Jota in his fantasy team and, you know, has seen him play for Portugal at the Euros, seen him light up on the world stage for Liverpool and you'd think, oh, yeah, I, I, wanna, I want him to like me. They want to be liked, of course, and you can see them all joking around with the players. Like, they're not there to be authority. They're there to be in the spotlight and to you know, touch of Premier League football pitch. They're not there because they're good referees. There's no other options in there. You know, do you get an ex-player to do it? Do you 
You know, I I don't understand how you, how you fix it. Do we need to start getting foreign referees in because it can't it can't get worse than this? You know, the, the inconsistency is is baffling, and that's the problem. If if ref if penalties were like were consistently given, I wouldn't care so much because, you know, at least you know what you're getting into. You know what's coming. You know that's that doesn't happen though. We've been denied some stone wall pens. Look at IU. Let's think about. Are you against Leeds where he got shoved in the back when he's running in the box? Not a penalty. And then that's given today. Like, how does that make any sense? It doesn't. That's the most annoying thing. And, you know, we're in for a long second half of the season because the referees at Sellers this year have been shocking all year. Uh, and I've really noticed it this year. Whether it's because they don't like Vieira or whatever it is, they've been they've been horrendous. The top six bias this year has been arguably worse. I think basically every single... I mean, Chelsea leads when Chelsea got a late pen for nothing, for absolutely nothing. If we're playing, you know, we've still got to play Arsenal, United, City, Liverpool. No, sorry, City, Chelsea at Palace with top six refs combined with Sellhurst refs. Jesus. I mean, I'm not even sure I want to go to those games. I didn't go today. And it's a shame because it was a good game, but mate, I, I would love to see the atmosphere. You you can see at the end of the game when when Kevin Friend walked off, uh, you could hear the cell at the Homesdale chanting some things at him, and they quickly switched the mics over to the Liverpool fans. But you like it doesn't take a genius to work out that would have been horrible for Kevin Friend walking off the pitch there. Still had a big smile on his face because because I don't know what because he knows that there's going to be no repercussions for that. You know the fact that. The, it, if a decision is shown on the big screen, like it was, there shouldn't be an immediate loud booing because you should have got the decision right. Do you know what I mean? Whereas he must have an inclination he got it wrong, but it clearly doesn't. It, it, it just is, yeah, it's insane. And it's just ruined, it ruined a perfectly good game of football. It means that rather than me spending 20 minutes talking about how good we were and how unlucky we were if we lost 2-1 or how amazing it was we came back to draw 2-2, I'm instead talking about Kevin Friend. And that's ultimately probably something which would really please a lot of Premier League refs. I, do, I genuinely believe that. Um, but, you know, let, let's concentrate on the positives. I thought we were, for 35 minutes, we were really poor. Um, but for the last 55 minutes, we absolutely battered them. I don't think that's an exaggeration to say that. We battered a Liverpool team um, which had a starting back five of... Alisson, Trent, Matip, Van Dijk and Robertson, which won the Champions League a few years ago and won the league a few years ago. Like, And we had players like Elise, like Mateta, uh, who honestly are arguably not even in our strongest 11, causing them all sorts of problems. Uh, and it's just exciting. It's really exciting to see players like that coming through. Big up Mateta, by the way, who's taken his chance big time, having been set to almost definitely leave and go literally anywhere that wasn't Palace. He's come in and he's taken his chance. Don't forget today that Mateta, Benteke and Edouard were all fit and all available. And Ayu and Mateta started. That that shows that he's he's doing something right. And again, he got an assist. He, I'm not saying that he offers loads in the build-up, but I do think we look more of a goal threat when Mateta plays. I think that front three is really, really good. You've got Edouard really direct, uh, really like gets in goal-scoring positions alongside Mateta. And then you've got Elise who's making things happen on the other side. I think the balance of it is really good. Um, and it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I think with a fully, fully fit midfield, you know, with Kiate coming in, hopefully, 
Um, and maybe MacArthur too. I don't know what happened with Hughes. I don't think Hughes is a problem by any means, but Kayate in particular, you know, a front three of Elise, Mateta and Edouard is great. And, you know, that's ignoring Ayu, who's been one of our best players this season or the, for the past few months. And Wilfred Zaha, literally our best ever player. I'm still so intrigued to see how we set up when he's back because I don't think anyone... In, I think the only person who doesn't have a really, really strong claim to start in that front three at the moment is Ben Teke, and that's just because he's not played. I mean, but he lost his place, I think through injury, was it? When he'd been bagging them in. Like, it's... Yeah, it's a crazy time to be a Palace fan, but it's exciting. Um, it's just a shame the game today got ruined by um, poor, poor refereeing. Uh, but it's not the first time it's happened to us this season. It's not the first time it's happened to loads of teams this season. And it definitely won't be the last. Um, and to be honest, until there's a whole revamp with the refereeing system, which they won't be because they're a tight little community who get each other's back. You know, look at Peter Walton. He probably thought that was a pen today. Like, they're not going to throw each other under the bus. And, and until you start to learn and accept the failures, then they're not going to get better. You're not going to look back and improve on things that went wrong because they're so insistent that everything they're doing is right. And with VAR, there's almost no reason to get things wrong, especially when you look at something loads and loads of times. So, you know, I hope internally they will come out or that they'll say, look, we should that was wrong. But they're not going to admit that, will they? Um, anyway, I could talk about this all night. And I won't because it's not good for my own mental health. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good performance. And we've got a little bit of a break now to the FA Cup. Hopefully we take that game seriously. Uh, sell out or sell us will be great. Uh, not only for like our cup hopes, but also for Harleypool. We'll get a great day out and it should be a good game. I hope we take that seriously. And then, you know, we've got a weird second half of the season. We've got some very winnable away games and some very tough home games. Maybe that will suit us in the long run. You know, playing that better teams at Selhurst get some points out of them and then play better away from home. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, regardless, exciting times. It was a great game to watch today and you've got to be proud of them. They did, they they battled, they outplayed one of the best teams in the world for large periods. Um, and for that reason, I, I can't be annoyed at the boys. I'd rather be annoyed at a ref than at the Palace team. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, please do follow me on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter as well, at TalksEPFC. I'll be back midweek with some more regular content. As I said, I was away in the week, hence me not posting anything. But I promise you I'll be back with some more, some more content. I've got some good things planned. So yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, have a good week, everyone. And I'll catch you all on the next podcast.